originally was going to share this morning, but I kept inputting all my opinions on what I thought he should share, and eventually he just said, why don't you do it? <laughs> so I, I am overcoming my aversion to speaking in front of people to share, because I really actually do have a lot of things that I want to I share on this topic. Um, and because it's foundational, because we're working on foundations, I really actually just want to focus on our hearts um, and our relationship towards money, because really that's going to be at the core of everything we do with our money, is, is our relationship with money. And because ultimately money is a heart issue between us and God, and how we use and steward money is important to God. Um, just a little fact to start us off, there's 2,350 verses about money and finances in the Bible. And just for perspective, that's twice as many as faith and prayer combined. So it's obviously a topic that God cares a lot about. And it's also something that he knew he, we were going to need a lot of direction with. And money, by definition, uh, is, is, is just a, a medium of exchange. It's how we pay for things. It's what we use to pay off our debts. And having a lot of money in the society, it translates to power. It's status its influence, and sometimes for a lot of us it's the illusion of, of happiness, illusion of rest and peace. So money actually holds a lot more significance than just being a medium of exchange or a piece of paper. And I don't know if anybody else is willing to admit that they've ever daydreamed about winning the lottery. I don't know if it's just me, but I drive past the Powerball billboard every time I'm coming home from work, and that's probably the weakest point of my week, because I've been up like 26 hours at that point at least, and I'm exhausted, and I see the Powerball, and it's always like some crazy obscene amount of money, and I, I sometimes I do, I daydream about like what I would do with all those millions of dollars, and first thing is definitely I would not be working nights, because it's not my favorite thing to do, um, you know, and it's, I've never actually bought a lottery ticket, but you know, I, I would do really good things with my millions. I would do honorable things with my millions, but the core of my daydream is wrong because it's rooted in the idea that money has power to change my life and the lives of people around me. And there's not, that's not that it's not true. Money can achieve a lot of external things, but the lie in it is that it cannot ever meet my internal needs for peace. It's never gonna give me contentedness or joy because we're eternal beings. God made us in his image and he didn't make us in a way that external things are ever gonna satisfy our eternal souls. Only he can do that. So the idea that money leads to happiness is really, really a deceptive lie that the enemy tries to delude us into believing because the enemy is seeking to replace God in our hearts and he often hides under the guise of money, wealth, mammon. In the Bible, money is often included under the word mammon, and mammon is defined as wealth, riches, earthly goods. It's even defined as the personification of riches as like an evil spirit or a deity, something that can take our worship and devotion from God to whom it really belongs. First Timothy states that the love and longing for money can lead us away from God. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. God wants to spare us from the enemy's deception and from these griefs. He wants to shine a light on the, on the false promise that money gives. He also wants to be enthroned in our hearts. He wants us to look to him for our security, for our daily bread, for our comfort. In Matthew 6:24, Jesus spoke about choosing true riches. He said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. In the Amplified, it, it, mammon is money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever else is valued more than the Lord. And I like even better in Luke, mammon is defined as our earthly possessions or anything else we trust in and rely on instead of God, which I think is an awesome interpretation of that word. So idolatry is really subtle. You know, it's not implying that we're greedily money hungry and looking to get rich. It just says if we're simply trusting and relying on our possessions or our financial status above God, then we're serving mammon. And to share from personal experience, this is actually something that God has really had to work out in, in my and Gavin's hearts. Gavin's job is commission only, which is very stressful or faith building, however you look at it. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, for us it's a constant battle to not look at our bank account balance and receive our peace or our encouragement that Chicago is where we're supposed to be and where we've been called and planted and that we're here for God's purposes and that he'll sustain us here. When our bank account has been really near empty, we've questioned if this is really what we wanna do, if this is where we wanna stand, because it's so hard. We have literally walked on the edge of poverty, loss. We've had to dig deep with God and say that we know that he's our provider and that we believe that he called us here and that we're not gonna let our circumstances or our lack of finances drive us from the city and this church where we feel like he's planted us. And we don't want money to be the thing that decides whether or not we stay or go. We want it to be God that calls us and keeps us here. And God has come through for us miraculously almost every time at the very last hour, but every single time he's come through for us. <clears throat> and there's been years where actually have been phenomenal financially where we've had way more than enough. And the funny thing is that even though technically we had no reason to worry, those were the years where I was full of so much anxiety because I knew that there was no guarantee that it was gonna be like that the next year. So, and I was looking at the finances and I wasn't looking to God during that time. And the times when we were nearly hitting rock bottom or, or circling the drain, nobody here, is, none of the nurses are here that can appreciate that. That's an expression we use when somebody's like about to die. You know, we don't know if they're gonna live or die, they're like circling the drain. We don't know if they're gonna go down or if they're gonna survive. I mean, we felt like that sometimes where we're not sure, like are we gonna, you know, is, are, is this gonna be it? Is this what's gonna drive us from the city or is God gonna come through? Those are actually the times when my faith was alive and my heart was just on fire because I was looking to Jesus because we had no other, nothing else to look to. Um, there was nothing else in the earth to trust in and I had such amazing peace. And I know that God's desire is not for us to be circling the drain all the time, but he does wanna free us from the burdensome yoke of mammon and he's gonna do whatever he has to do to set us free. He wants us to, in poverty and in abundance, be satisfied. He wants our hearts to be full. He wants us to trust in him. Because if we're trusting and relying on our earthly possessions or on our finances, then it's gonna influence every decision we make in our lives. We're, we might choose jobs, houses, friends, everything based on how it will impact us financially. If that's the first thing we're looking at, that's the first thing we're gonna consider when we're making those decisions. Money will literally rule us. It becomes a God because it limits and it dictates our decisions. And that is the very heavy burden of mammon. If Gavin and I were making our choices based purely on financial, from a financial perspective, we would have left the city a long time ago. But we're seeking God for our lives and he has continued to bless us and grow us in the city despite the contradiction that our circumstances often are. And I found that in this life, in this life of faith that often living in, we are often living in contradiction because that's what strengthens our trust and reliance on God and our circumstances. So we can't plan our steps and set our pursuits, <clears throat> both for the purposes of God and for his plans for our life and also for our worldly ambitions and gain. 
They can't coexist. No matter what, at some point, we'll come to a crossroads where we have to choose between the two. If we have conviction from God about something, do we follow him and his peace, or do we sacrifice our peace, ignore that conviction, and justify our actions for what keeps us within our comfort zone? Sometimes the biggest enemy is common sense. Gavin and I have often had to ignore common sense to follow Jesus. I recently was listening to this testimony about a believer, and he is also a film producer. He was sharing his testimony about how he used to produce films, and he would take any job. He was trying to make it as a film producer in L.A., and that's it's really reasonable. You know, you take any job you can because you want to you make a living for your family. But he felt really convicted that the jobs, the movies he was producing were not things that he would ever want his children to see. They were things he wouldn't want his parents to see, and, and that just didn't settle in his heart. So he actually committed to God that he wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't going to take any job unless he felt called and led to take it and, and felt peace about it. And he went for 18 months without a paycheck. They, he had kids to support. He went for 18 months. But he didn't give in, and he was receiving offers, but he never had peace about taking them. And he trusted God to provide. And, <clears throat> and eventually God came through powerfully. He actually, there's a film right now that's in the theaters, actually na nationwide in the theaters everywhere, um, starring two really famous, it's a Christian film, starring two really famous Hollywood actors. So God eventually gave him favor and great success, and he's walking in God's purposes, but he had to surrender that part of his life to God, and it, it was really hard. <clears throat> a powerful biblical example of how Jesus desires our whole hearts is the rich young ruler. Luke 18, 18 through 23, uh, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except, except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all of these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have. Distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And the disciples afterwards were like talking amongst themselves. They were in shock because this guy was perfect, really morally perfect. He'd, he'd followed the law. Obviously, he wasn't perfect, but he'd followed the law. He'd done everything right. But more than following the law, Jesus wanted his whole heart. God didn't need his money, obviously. He, he needed to be prized, desired, worshipped above his earthly status and possessions. So he challenged him. And the young ruler wasn't ready to give up his earthly treasures. And Jesus tells us that discipleship is costly. He doesn't pull any punches when he says, he says in uh, the next slide, because I can't remember what the verse is. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself, set aside his selfish interests, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will lose it, but whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And that's why God compels us to strive for true riches, to value following him and his call on our lives above our earthly comforts or the pursuit of wealth. God promises that if we surrender these things, even though it's extremely scary to do so, we'll actually find everlasting riches. And it's the only way to find everlasting riches. Did anyone ever play that trust game when you were a kid where you had somebody stand behind you and they were going to catch you? Did anybody ever play that besides me? Or is that like a Michigan Midwest? Yes, some people played it. Yeah, I don't even remember. We just did it as we were kids. I think it was like, it was like riding a roller coaster, you know? It's like we loved the thrill. But 
I think that that's a really, I think that that's a really good example of, of just the, the exercise of trust, right? Because it's terrifying for a moment when you're falling backwards because there is, you don't trust that person 100, 100%. You're scared that they're gonna, they're gonna let you fall, but when they catch you, it's, it's exhilarating because that's the roller coaster, emotional roller coaster of the trust game, right? And I think that that's us with God. We're totally fearful to surrender our finances to him. And I don't know, again, this is probably just me, but you know, at first when I was really surrendering this to God, like a long time ago when I was a new Christian, I was like imagining him like, cause I really like clothes, like having a str- me dress like John the Baptist, you know, like you had to have an animal skin for an outfit and eating bugs and honey, like really like just, you know, and I, I don't think, obviously I don't think God wants that, you know, but, <laughs> but you have to be willing to go there. I mean, to really surrender, to really put it on the altar, you really have to be willing to, to lay down everything because he might actually ask you to give up something and it might feel that hard, you know, and you have to be willing to do it. And trusting, you have to trust that he's a good father. You have to trust that he actually knows what you need better than you do and that actually an abundance of resources in the hands of his children who have shown to be trustworthy in this area is actually better than having you walk around the earth in animal skin looking like a crazy person. So my point is that it's normal when we're fearful to imagine the worst. I think when you're scared, you imagine the worst. As you're waiting to be caught by this person, you're, you're a little bit scared you're gonna crack your head on the floor, and that's very real fear. And if we don't trust the catcher at all, if it's our worst enemy or somebody they know has a secret grudge against you, you're probably not gonna play this game with them. So to be willing to even fall, there has to be some measure of trust. So for us to really trust God with our finances and to surrender them to him, we have to ask ourselves if we really trust that he is a good father, that he's a good and capable provider, because if we don't believe that to some degree, then we'll never surrender this part of our lives to him. And there are really a lot of great verses that we can meditate on if you're feeling fearful, if you're scared to surrender this, to pray and remind ourselves what God said. Hebrews 13.5 says, um, let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. It's a lot of words in the Amplified Version, but I think it really gets the point across. And also like a longer little segment of scripture, but I'm, it's so worth reading the whole thing, so I'm just gonna read it, Luke 12, 22. Jesus said to his disciples, for this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, or about your body as to what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have no storehouse or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one hour to his lifespan? So if you are not even able to do a very little thing such as that, why are you worried about the rest? Consider the lilies and the wildflowers and how they grow. They neither labor nor spin, yet I tell you, Not even Solomon in all of his splendor and glory dressed himself like one of these. But if this is how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So as for you, do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, nor have an anxious and unsettled mind. For all the nations of the world greedily seek these things. But your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. But strive for and actively seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid and anxious, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give, you the, to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, show compassion, give donations to the poor. 
Provide money belts for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing and inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love these promises. Every time I get fearful, it's like we have so much to stand on to trust God for, that he's going to provide all these things. And he's literally setting us free from the burden and stress of finances. Finances are stressful when, you're, when they're not surrendered to God. They're extremely stressful. But these promises say that we don't have to worry about those things, that we can leave them in his hands. And I'm not saying this, like I said before, I'm not saying this um, having never struggled myself from personal experience. When Gavin and I first came to Chicago, he wasn't really able to work yet. He, we were still working on his authorization to work because come, we'd come from South Africa. And I was working in a coffee shop. We knew Hugh and Vanessa back then, and we were so poor. I was, we were surviving off of my tip money, and I think one day I had like $20 that I lost on the way home, and we went and looked back. We went back, traced our steps looking for it, which of course in Chicago was impossible. It was gone in a you know, like swift second, but I think we cried. I literally think Gavin and I cried about that. I don't know if he cried, but I think inside he cried because we were so poor. And it was such a desperate time. And that same year, uh, we had to renew our license plates and we were in Michigan and I, I don't know, I messed up something with our insurance and I told the insurance company we were moved to Illinois. So they were gonna make us get all new plates and we were, it was gonna cost like $300. And we just had no, we had no resources, we had nothing. And we weren't gonna be able to drive our car. And it, it was a small thing, but it was just kind of, it was such a burden. And then my sister, out of nowhere, sends a check in the mail. She knew nothing about this, sends a check in the mail for the exact amount of money we needed, literally two days before we, it was due. And it was just before Christmas that year too, I, you know, we were struggling again financially. And uh, there was this little lady in our building, this little grandma, and um, we were stressing about having to go home for Christmas and we didn't have, everybody was buying gifts and we were just kind of like, we didn't have any money to buy gifts for everybody. And, um, she brought us all these gift cards for like the grocery store and for Sears. I mean, who even goes to Sears anymore? But she brought us these Sears gift cards, like two or, two or $300 worth of Sears gift cards. And so we went shopping at Sears for my family for Christmas, but it was awesome because it wasn't even something that we had prayed for. We hadn't even told God, like, God, this, is, this sucks, this is hard. But he just knew that it was something that we needed and he, out of his generosity, provided for us. So my point is that he cares about those little things and that he has never, ever, ever not provided. So taking the leap of faith to trust and surrender our finances to God is hard, but it's so worth it, and the fruit is such amazing peace. You have peace. When the economy tanks, when you lose, when you lose a job, if a commission check doesn't come in, or there's an unexpected cost, we've learned to rely and set our eyes on Jesus and not on our bank accounts. We have peace when everyone else would panic because we know God's our provider and he'll never fail us. And that's something he wants to establish in our hearts. We're unshakable, right? We're building on a firm foundation that is Jesus. And then we can live generously because we know God's always there to provide for us. We don't have to be fearful. When he says give, you give because you know that he's, he, everything comes from him. And when God tells you to go, no matter what the financial implications are, you go. And we're set free from the limitations and the rule of mammon. God wants his children free from the yoke of slavery to the, really the God of this world and free to follow him wherever he calls. And like I said earlier, I wanted to focus on the heart relationship with money because I really think that that's the first thing we need to get right. Um, but, it, but there are, but it is important also to look at the biblical forms of generosity and giving so that we can be good stewards of our finances while we're earning and using money in this earth. 
Um, so just really quickly to touch on some of the biblical forms of giving that we believe in. Um, I think it's the next slide. Yeah. So tithing. Tithing is giving 10%, the first 10% of your gross income. It's just a biblical, biblically established form of worship. We honor God and we give him those first fruits of our income. Um, it's not something that we do because we feel led to do. It's just something without even thinking, without even considering anything, we automatically set aside 10% of our, our gross income. And we believe in paying the tithe to the church body that we're a part of. So Gavin and I always set aside 10% of our gross. We paid it to restoration to support what God's doing here. And then there's offerings. Offerings are free will giving. It's over and above your tithe. So again, the tithes we give without question. Free will offering is, is giving as our hearts feel or led or compelled to give. Alms are specifically giving for the poor. Um, obviously providing first for those in our family who have needs and then within our church body and then reaching out to the poor in the city and, and always doing it in wisdom, you know, like clothing, shelter, food when possible instead of just giving um, money. And also apostolic giving, which is giving gifts to support the extension of God's kingdom in the nations. But ultimately, in summary, the spirit of the New Testament and really of God's heart is to be generous givers on all occasions. That reflects his heart because that's the way he is with us. And ultimately to know that everything belongs to God who will supply all of our needs generously. Um, and actually, that's it. I mean, I don't even know, was that 15 minutes? <laughs> Was it? Okay. So I'm just going to close in prayer really quickly. Um, and yeah, I just want to urge you, if you feel burdened or overwhelmed by your finances, if it's something that weighs you down, or if it's something you're having a hard time trusting God with, um, and you want to you wanna trust him with it, just to come forward if you feel led to receive prayer this morning. Because um, he doesn't want us to be slaves of fear of loss or not having enough. He wants us to know how truly faithful he is to care for us. I'm just going to pray for us now for everyone to close our eyes. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, Lord, that you are a generous provider. Lord, that um, your deepest desire in our life is for us to trust you. Lord, and you have promised if we trust you, you will catch us. We will not fall. Lord Jesus, that you will always provide for us, that you'll always take care of us if we just surrender um, these things to you. And Lord, you, you don't want us burdened down worrying about how we're gonna pay our bills or how everything is gonna work, Lord. You just want us to, to surrender it to you, to seek you first, and you'll take care of all those things. Even the things we don't pray for, we're scared to ask for, Lord Jesus, you're so generous. You care about even those things. And Father, I just pray for anybody here now that might be struggling, that might be burdened down by a heavy burden that, that you don't want them to carry, Lord Jesus, that they would um, be encouraged to, to just Take a step of faith to trust you, Lord Jesus. Be encouraged to just surrender um, these things to you and that, Lord Jesus, you would just show them how faithful, how generous, how amazing you are. We just pray everything in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.